MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, June 21st, 2021. Today, Biden prepares sanctions on Russia for the poisoning and imprisonment of Alexei Navalny. Former acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller was helping push the Italy Gate conspiracy. The Biden administration moves to make gender confirmation surgery available to veterans. The court filings show the Department of Justice has started investigating the higher ups in the insurrection investigation. Sidney Powell and friends are called into court for a sanctions hearing in Michigan. And Fox News is busted parading GOP lobbyists and operatives as parents concerned about critical race theory. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. My gosh, we always have so much news coming back from the weekend. We do. And there's a lot. This is packed. I mean, some of them I've already made my blood boil Mm -hmm. (laughs) and others I'm just, you know, looking forward to hearing. Yep. Yep. It's always the roller coaster. Uh, But we'll end the show with the good news to kind of taper it off nicely for everyone. And then uh, before that, later, I'm going to be having a discussion with the host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti, about the sanctions hearings for the elite strike force lawyers, the Kraken uh, whatever's. The ones that have been released, but not released. I just I keep feeling like I'm back in third grade, like, ooh, busted, moated. (laughs) We're in trouble. It's just because I don't know how else to speak to them other than in a third grade voice. Okay, that's the only way they'll understand. (laughs) It's the way you can speak their language, you know. Yeah. All right. uh, We do have a ton of news to get to. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story. I have an insurrection investigation update. Lots of folks have been railing against the Department of Justice and the FBI for not going after the generals, the leaders, the insiders of the insurrection on January 6th. But this week, we got our first indication, at least in a court filing, that they are. Because, you know, back in February, Washington Post reported that the DOJ and FBI were investigating Roger Stone and his role in the insurrection. But that was an anonymous source from the inside. But now now we have it in a court filing, in a 302 filed in court. We've seen the FBI questioning defendant Thomas Webster. Uh, he's the guy in the newly released videos, by the way, we see that is attacking the Horrifying. With the yes. flagpole. He's a former cop himself. Yep. And the FBI asked him not only about whether he has ties to the Oath Keepers and, and other extremist groups, but whether he's been in communication with members of Congress. And that right there is the first indication we've seen that the FBI is investigating higher ups connected to conspirators on the ground. I imagine we will be seeing a lot more of this as the investigation progresses. Keep in mind uh, how this works, right? The FBI started with round one to scoop everybody up. A ton of indictments, low-level felonies and misdemeanors for trespassing, violent entry into the Capitol, and maintain, you know, being a dick on, in the Capitol grounds. Like, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> then they moved into conspiracy land, right? They indicted multiple members of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and the Three Percenters for conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Next up, they began charging people with assault on police officers. Now, meanwhile, uh, we've seen charges against three defendants for carrying weapons in the Capitol, uh, including the latest, a defendant that has been charged with bringing an AR-15 to the Capitol and for having a holstered handgun on his hip while he was attacking Capitol Police on the West Side Stairs. Who? Those tourists were upset. Was the gift shop closed? Yeah, I must have been. 
Again, that's the third armed insurrectionist that we know of. Uh, and on top of the conspiracy charges against the men who had a boatload of weapons that had, they had planned to ferry across the Potomac, there's a lot of these charges are starting to amp up and get higher and higher. And it's of note that this 302 that I'm talking about, where they ask about members of Congress, is dated in February. So while we've been yelling at the Department of Justice to investigate higher ups, and even though we were convinced that because we hadn't heard about it, it wasn't happening, it's actually been happening for over three months. And February was when the Washington Post report came out that Roger Stone was also being investigated. And if that was from February, imagine what they're doing now that we're not going to hear about the three months. And finally, uh, it's of note that the feds have now referred to the crime of domestic terrorism in a new motion filed to keep insurrectionist Robert Geiswein in jail. Geiswein is accused of assaulting three officers. And this is the first use of the phrase domestic terrorism that we've seen in a court filing. And that is the garland that we were expecting, right? Mm -hmm. So give him time. I think he's going to show up. And this is a quote from this motion I'm talking about. It says, quote, the nature and circumstances of the charges the defendant faces. He is charged with one count of a federal crime of terrorism and at least three crimes, at least three crimes of violence cannot be overstated. So again, we've got investigations into higher ups as early as February that we didn't hear about until three months later. We've got assault. We've got conspiracy, which could become seditious conspiracy. Now the federal crime of terrorism. I say this investigation is going better than we all thought. We just need to give it a little more time. Oh, for sure. And the dick bag that put his feet up on Pelosi's desk. He was asking permission so he could travel because he has a new job buying and selling classic cars. Yeah. You remember that guy? Yep. Uh, Yeah. Denied. Good. Doesn't have permission to cross a bunch of state lines to to buy and sell classic cars. Because some of these people, um, excuse me, I had a work retreat that was planned in Cancun before I decided to storm the Capitol. Can I go to that, please? I can't. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens because, you know, Garland and he got a house that had 875 fires burning and some of the fires were bigger than others. So you got to put out the big fires, even if the little ones are still burning. And and let's not concentrate on that. He's still trying to save the house at this point. So let's see if we can save the house. And like Joyce Vance said, when you get there, there's not files labeled gross crimes, warning, bad stuff I did before I left. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and there was a lot of bad stuff he did. I mean, I left those files when I left the government, but, you know, Bill Barr. You're like, look under the desk. (laughs) Okay, Uh, this next one, Veterans Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough is moving to make gender confirmation surgery available to transgender veterans through Veterans Affairs Healthcare coverage. This is a big deal. McDonough announced the move, plans of which were first reported by CNN at a Pride event at the Orlando Vet Care Center in Florida on Saturday. Now, McDonough said the event, and this is a quote, we're taking the first steps necessary to expand VA's care to include gender confirmation surgery, thereby allowing transgender vets to go through the full gender confirmation process with VA at their side. Mm-hmm. This is a big statement. The change marks a substantial shift in care for eligible transgender veterans. And I don't know if people know this. The National Center for Transgender Equality estimates that there are approximately 134,000 transgender veterans. These are people that fought for our country. And even during a time where the former guy was saying he had bone spurs, like this is a big deal. And there's a lot of people. So while the VA health benefits packages include coverage for mental health services and hormone therapy, it has excluded coverage of funding for gender confirmation surgery, which is considered by to be a quote, medically necessary intervention for people who have gender dysphoria, the condition medical professionals use to describe 
Also another quote, medical distress at the incongruence between one's gender and anatomy. And that's just basically for layman terms, a lot of us listening, you don't identify with the, the anatomy you were born with. That's it. According to an opinion piece in AMA Journal of Ethics, so this is all in the Journal of Ethics, McDonough said the decision to make this change was based on the recommendation of our clinicians. So this is a healthcare decision that has very real physical health care impacts, as well as significant mental health impacts. Now, gender confirmation or gender affirming surgery is a procedure or series of procedures often to reconstruct sexual organs so that a person's anatomy matches the gender with which they identify. This is a big deal. The gender affirming surgery was at first seen as a cosmetic or elective surgery, but research has shown that surgery is an effective treatment for people who have gender dysphoria. When you're looking at yourself every day in the mirror, hating what you see, it has a drastic impact on your mental health. I love that this was at the recommendation of the doctors. I love that Dennis McDonough who I don't know too much about, not a veteran, but he's the, the VA secretary, Yeah, took the recommendations of the doctors, the doctors, providers, RNs, physicians, assistants, LVNs, nurses, all of all of the providers at the VA are just absolutely magnificent. They they work for shit money, mm-hmm. not shit money, but I mean, they make a lot less than they did than they would otherwise in private practice. They're there because they care about our veterans. And and they're the ones who spoke up and said, this is, this is, we have to, this is, should be part of the, of the, the care plan. And I'm so. It's fantastic. And I'm so glad. So proud of my, of my former agency. All right. Buckle up. <laughs> God, this fucking story. Yep. This is the one where I was like, oh God. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you know that when there's a breaking news story, I'll go through, read it. And then I will tweet out breaking followed by my catered summary of the story. Right. I will put it down into like a digestible couple of sentences for you. But this weekend, for the first time, first time ever for me, I read such a ridiculous story. I mean, the reporting is amazing, but the content is by John Swain and Emma Brown at the Washington Post. It was so (laughs) uncuratable that all I could tweet was breaking. I can't possibly summarize this. You just have to read it. That's it. Sometimes you don't have the words and you're a woman that is a wordsmith. And sometimes you just don't have the words. That's my job, right? That's what I've been doing for four years now. I pride myself on being able to curate the news, break it down into digestible bites. Yeah. But this one had me reeling. So now that I've had enough time to read it and reread it and reread it, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a stab here. So you might want to slow this one down to half speed, maybe hover your finger over the pause button so you can get all this. (laughs) All right. We know that recently the Senate received a ton of emails from the Trump White House, including his lawyer, well, from the Department of Justice that were sent from the Trump White House, including his lawyers and his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to acting attorney general Jeff Rosen, pressuring him to open investigations into election conspiracy theories that had already been thrown out in court or were simply so fucking stupid that even Jeffrey Rosen was like, nah. (laughs) Now, namely Italygate, right? This conspiracy alleges that Italy used satellites Somebody in Italy hacked an Italian satellite from an Italian space station to zap voting machines in America to change votes from Trump to Biden. That's Italy gate. Now, we know Rudy Giuliani was involved in this idiocy and wanted Rosen to set up a meeting with the FBI to talk about it. And Rosen was like, no, nah, that's dumb. You're dumb. Now, one of the things Mark Meadows sent to Rosen about Italy gate was a letter with a letterhead from USA Aerospace Partners. <laughs> And this letter was about a firm, another firm called the Institute for Good Governance, which released a statement from an Italian lawyer claiming he had info about the hacker who did Italygate. Okay, with me so far? 
Now, both of these firms, USA Aerospace, the letterhead that for me, the letter Mark Meadows Center Rosen and the Institute for Good Governance, where they USA Aerospace got their information from, are Virginia based companies. And they're owned by someone named Michelle Roosevelt Edwards. Now, she's a former Republican congressional candidate from the 80s who changed her name in 2013 and reinvented herself as a socialite who claims to have helped Somali officials fighting pirates, boat pirates. Was it a socialite or a sociopath? Was it a typo? <laughs> socialite. OK, just check. Boat pirates, analog pirates. Old school pirates. Thank you for enunciating boat pirates. So someone wasn't like butt pirates. No, I thought they would think like hacking pirates or something. Now, yeah, Edwards, this lady said, come interview me in my headquarters in this $30 million Virginia mansion where I live. But the Post found out the mansion is actually owned by someone else. And she, but she did an interview from inside the mansion. They're like, you live here? Yes. This is your mansion? Yes. And she walked around saying, yes, this is my house. This is my bedroom. Don't go in there. It's very private. This is my mansion. And then Washington Post showed the footage of this lady to the actual owner of the house. And she was like, that's my house. What's that lady doing in my house? Turns out, stop it. Edwards is a real estate agent and pretended stop the it. mansion was hers. Oh, God. Listen, listen, beans out there. I clearly have not heard this story. I'm hearing it for the first time with you. And I'm also like, what the fuck? No, wait, wait. That's just a weird side story. That's not even the news. Oh, Jesus. Strap in. I'm getting a drink. The, Here we go. The real story is where Italy Gate comes from. And this lady is apparently like a patient zero for the Italy Gate conspiracy theory. The theory was first published in Italy by Danielle Capazzoni, who is known as the Hannity of Italy. Okay. Oh, geez. Then a Virginia guy named Bradley Johnson, a right wing dude who says he's an ex CIA guy. He caught wind of it and posted it in an interview on December 5th. From there, Maria Strollo Zach, another lady, a lady from Georgia who was a Republican, who, by the way, ran a super PAC for Ted Cruz in 2016 told her right-wing media outlets she personally told Trump about Italy Gate on Christmas Eve at Mar-a-Lago by passing him a handwritten note. <laughs> she then... <laughs> she... <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. She then told another right-wing media outlet that Rudy called her about it the very next morning. So purportedly, Trump got the note, read it, handed it to Rudy and said, call this lady. Uh, now, back to the mansion lady, Edwards. No one knows how Meadows got her letter, but she, but he sent it on to Rosen. That's how that's the thing that we're talking about here. Right. Is the chief of staff for Trump sending this to Rosen. He also sent Rosen a link to the Johnson interview. That's the CIA, former CIA guy from from Virginia. And then four days later, the Georgia person, Zach, claimed that they gave documents to Pete Navarro. But Navarro denied that. And then Zach apparently met with Edwards, the mansion lady. Uh, by January 6th, by the in by the insurrection. And then Flynn tweeted out, Italy did it. Oh, good Lord. And then QAnon grabbed onto it. And Zach said that uh, they told former acting defense secretary Chris Miller about it. Miller didn't deny being told about it. And I'm wondering if the Flynn brothers had anything to do with Miller hearing about it at the, at the Department of Defense. But anyway, since then, the original author of the article in Italy, Capazzoni, the Italian Hannity, has retracted the entire story saying it was fake. Oh my God. So that's... I feel like people were setting some of these sons of bitches up. <laughs> like, just like, here, send them the letter. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> that's the birth of Italy Gate. And, and by the way, I left a lot out of this story to tell... That oh my is my God. curated digestible bits version. 
So check out the article in the Washington Post. There's a whole thing about uh, Edwards and her Somali pirate stuff and uh, her to Italy. It's wow. My goodness. I wish this next story was fake, but it's not. Uh, This one's from Fox News. They failed to fully disclose the professional conservative ties of 11 guests featured in numerous segments about the teaching of critical race theory in schools. Now, this is according to a new report from Media Matters, which is a liberal watchdog group that monitors conservative media. They're very busy these days. (laughs) Now, Fox News hosts introduced guests who oppose critical race theory as concerned parents teachers, and school board members while downplaying or completely ignoring the fact that their official ties to larger conservative organizations and causes. Now, that's according to a report. So while many of the guests are, they are parents, okay, they are parents, they're school officials, but the Fox News segments rarely included their professional biographies. Among them were Republican strategists and lobbyists staff of conservative think tanks and media personalities. Now, it's unclear if Fox intentionally missed. Come on, (laughs) give me a fucking break. It's I can't believe I have to say this sentence with a straight face. It's unclear if Fox intentionally misrepresented the guest biographies. (laughs) Pretty sure they did. Now, critical race theory has been a galvanizing topic on the right and the subject of near constant coverage in conservative news publications. Fox News alone has mentioned it nearly 1,300 times since March. Now, that's according to Media Matters. That national spotlight has been a boon to at least 165 new local and national groups targeting critical race theory at more than 50 school boards across the country. Conservative organizers, they told that to NBC News this week. So critical race theory... As most of you know, some of you do not, but this is a good explanation. It's an area of academic inquiry that studies systemic racism, its institutional causes, and its lasting impact. But conservative activists have rebranded the term to include any effort to provide equity or balance in curricula on race and gender. So most of the targeted school districts insist their schools do not teach critical race theory. I guarantee there's a lot of them in Texas. Uh, The Media Matters report highlighted guests, including Ian Pryor, who leads the school board recall effort in Loudoun County, Virginia. Now, in at least 15 separate appearances, Pryor was portrayed as a father first while scant mention was made of his long ties to groups like the National Republican Congressional Committee or his work as communications director for the conservative super PAC American Crossroads and the Department of Justice under the former guy. (laughs) This guy has deep ties. So the report also revealed that Lilith Vanitstein, a Fairfax County teacher whose fiery speech against critical race theory at a school board meeting went viral this month, And they're saying she is a political activist affiliated with the conservative organization Turning Points USA and a correspondent with the pro-Trump media outlet Right Side Broadcasting Network. These are all personalities. On Fox News, she was described simply as one of the teachers who was at that school board meeting. Mm -hmm. That's it. She was just one of the teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they found 11 of these people. Yeah, fair balanced. It is a entertainment network. It's not a news network. These people are actors. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we do have some late breaking news, by the way. Biden is about to impose sanctions on Russia for Navalny. I told you the summit was more legit than we thought. Uh, I expect more soon, probably in the form of U.S. cyber attacks on Russia. And Russia has agreed to draw down troops in Ukraine. We were going to send a ton of weapons to Ukraine, but are holding off to see if Russia keeps its word. If not, we're going to send the weapons immediately. And don't be surprised if we see more stuff like this. Uh, Of course, Marco Rubio equated that to Trump withholding congressionally appropriated aid to extort uh, Zelensky. He's like, oh, I thought you were going to withhold 
Ukrainian aid. Oh, God. <laughs> Such a douche. He's dumb. Marco Rubio is dumb. All right. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, oh, God. Alex. What is we love her? Rachel. Rachel Van Men. Oh. oh, the trolling. She was so good with Rubio. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it went viral. She's so good at it. I know. I, I adore her. her. I love her to death. Yeah, she's lovely. All right. We'll be right back with Renato Mariotti to discuss sanctions and that sanctions hearing for Sidney Powell and friends and what kind of punishment they could face. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. And today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Titan. By now, you know that Wall Street ignores everyday investors. They cater only to the ultra-wealthy. For far too long, the average investor has been neglected. And we get the same old generic advice like, buy index funds. Meanwhile, the ultra-rich, they get access to premium investment strategies and white-glove service. This divide didn't sit well with the creators of Titan, who've introduced a world-class investment manager for the rest of us. Thanks to Titan, now everyday investors can have their capital invested like a premier investment firm, all through the Titan mobile app. Titan's goal is to give you access to the best investment experience in the world, but without the high minimums or the lockups or performance fees and their in-house investment team, they invest your capital using their award-winning strategies and they deliver daily research updates via the app itself. Titan aims to grow your capital over the long term by identifying the rare species of stocks known as compounders and holding on tight. With Titan, it's like having an elite investment manager right in your pocket. Uh, Titan manages hundreds of millions of dollars for more than 25,000 clients and counting and they were named the 2020 Top Investment App of the Year by U.S. News. So to get started, just download the Titan app, uh, start investing with Titan today. You'll get three months with zero fees when you visit titanvest.com slash dailybeans. That's T-I-T-A-N-V-E-S-T dot com slash dailybeans. You get three months with zero fees. Again, just go to titanvest.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am uh, honored to be joined today by former federal prosecutor, a friend of mine, and uh, host of the On Topic podcast. Please welcome Renato Mariotti. Hello, Renato. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm great. It's been a nice weekend so far. been pretty relaxing. Uh, I think we're gearing up for the summer. So it's, I'm good. Uh, so and, and how are things in your neck of the woods? Well, you know, look, I've been uh, we I purchased a home. I'm moving in, moving in with my fia- uh, my fiance and I'm moving in together with uh, with her daughter. So a lot of uh, change and tumult on my side of uh, on my side of things but it's all for the positive all a good thing yes congratulations and thanks for making time for us today because uh, i had asked you on twitter uh you posted last week about sydney powell and some other attorneys who i'll get to in a second you know the the elite strike force the kraken group of folks <laughs> they have been summoned for a sanctions hearing in a Michigan federal court because on Thursday district judge Linda Parker ordered the attorneys she ordered them flat out to appear at a hearing on July 6th and i wanted to ask you about this because i am not familiar with sanctions hearings i haven't seen this yet so far in all the reporting i've done in the last few years can you talk a little bit about these sanctions and, and what they might mean? Yeah. So the reason you haven't heard a lot about sanctions hearings is because they're very rare. Uh, and judges generally, while there are ethical standards that apply to attorneys, we've heard a lot about those over the last few years about all these uh, rules of professional responsibility. As a practical matter, they're not enforced as vigorously as you might think. And so, you know, judges will have lawyers in front of them do do questionable things. And sometimes uh, the the consequence of that is just that the judge diminishes their their view of the attorney, or maybe they'll call out the attorney, say something about the attorney in an opinion, you know that sort of thing. 
you know, the idea being that even just having a judge who says something bad about you is punishment enough. But a sanctions hearing means that the judge is concerned enough about your conduct that she or he, uh, you know, wants is going to have a hearing to determine whether, for example, to pose, impose a financial penalty. Uh, for example, I, I, for example, one case that I uh, tried when I was a federal prosecutor, a high profile case, there was a lawyer who took photos from inside the courtroom and put them on Twitter. OK, of <laughs> evidence and it's a very bad idea when there's signs everywhere that says do not take photographs. Uh, and so, you know, there was a sanctions hearing and he had to pay some money and he had to, you know, uh, apologize to the court and file some, you know, apology and things like that. There, there, it's essentially a formalized way of punishing attorney misconduct. And so what I expect to happen here is something where, you know, these attorneys may have to pay some money. They'll be called out publicly. The judge will say something um, about their conduct. And it's the sort of thing that when you Google the attorney's name, it'll come up for the rest of that attorney's career. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> I, I, hear I, don't you. Think, I don't think I need to Google Sidney Powell's name to know she's a pile of trash. But this, this whole thing started when Dana Nessel, who is the Michigan attorney general, asked the court to sanction Powell. Um, and that was in late January over one of the 2020 presidential election lawsuits. Uh, King versus Whitmer was filed in November and alleged that Biden's victory in the state was a result of fraud. Uh, the plaintiffs asked the state's electors to be disqualified in favor of declaring Trump a winner. And Parker sided with the state about a month later in her in writing an opinion that the relief would disenfranchise the votes of 5.5 million Michiganders. Uh, and so Nessel also asked the court, these here's the other lawyers, Greg Roll, Scott Hagerstrom and Stephanie Gentilla. Do you, are you familiar with these lawyers? No. One thing I will say is that's kind of part of the point is we know who Sidney Powell is, but what the order says from the judges, each each attorney whose name appears on any of their pleadings or briefs has to show up. Mm-hmm. I think it's that, that means something, right? Because for those, what I think it means, uh, Allison, is that, you know, for example, in the future, if you're just a random attorney who's a right winger, you're going to really think long and hard. Do you want to jeopardize your practice? Do you want to jeopardize your reputation? You want to put your neck on the line for some right wing uh, c- conspiracy theory? Or do you just want to put your head down and keep practicing law? Mm. Uh, and that's that's the idea here. I think it's it's actually having stuff like this sends a message to attorneys that there are consequences for using the court system to mislead people or lie. It's very difficult to prove that attorneys are trying to mislead deliberately more versus, let's say, aggressive advocacy on behalf of a client. And this is, I think, an example of of that sort of case where I think it's not you are able to prove that they that they knew what they were saying was false. Yeah. And we saw, you know, leading up to a lot of these cases, a lot of major law firms pulling out and saying, no, we have nothing to do with that. And I think it's because they can see this kind of writing on the wall. And I think it may also discourage, you know, lawyers who might want to be part of a firm someday to to behave in this manner. Exactly right. Like we saw, I I don't know if you uh, saw recently, Allison, over the last month, the My Pillow guy had a lawsuit that was filed, and there's a a, 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 a law firm that's a reasonably large size law firm. Uh, the lawyer had his name on it, and then that lawyer did no longer worked at that law firm a, a day or two later because 
you know, he didn't go through all the internal procedures. You know, a large law firm like the one I work at, there's all sorts of procedures for opening a case and taking it on. And we consider, you know, whether this makes sense for our firm. And this is the sort of thing where it's going to give law firms pause and it's going to give lawyers pause. And I do think that's a good thing. Is it enough? No. But I do think, you know, that Judge Linda Parker is trying to do what she can and make some difference in her in her way. Uh, and I do think it will have an impact beyond her courtroom. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And then also, isn't it um, possible for the court to order a bar investigation or disbarment? I don't think the court can order disbarment, but they can order the bar to look into it. Yeah, they can refer the case to the to the bar. They also, uh, the, the, if the judge, if a judge has an opinion in which they call, they, they determine that you've engaged in misconduct, usually depends on the bar rule, the, the rules uh, in a particular state, but usually you have to bring it to the court's attention or a lawyer in the case has to bring it to the uh, bar, bar association's attention. So if a judge makes a finding that, let's say I uh, engaged in some sort of professional misconduct, you know, that could be something that depending on the state that you have to report. So I, it is a serious matter. It can have a significant impact on an attorney. And there are, I guarantee you, maybe not Sidney Powell, who doesn't give a give an F, uh, but some of the attorneys whose names are on here are, are thinking to themselves, how did I get myself into this mess? What am I going to say when Judge Parker asked me some very difficult questions? How, how do I get out of this, uh, you know, with my reputation intact? Mm. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how and what they say in court. Uh, you know, I, I imagine it'd be like, sorry, I didn't realize my bad. I apologize profusely. I'm going to walk out of this room backwards. Please let me go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we've heard from some lawyers on these lawsuits that they just put their name on it. They didn't read it, this and that. I mean, who knows? It's going to be something like that. Like, well, you know, I, uh, I, you know, they, they're going to definitely want to because otherwise, you know, as a lawyer, you're when you put your name on a document and you file it and sign and put your name on it, you're making a representation to the court that you believe that what's in there is accurate and. You know, lawyers, I'll tell you before I have anything filed with my name on it, I review it carefully. Uh, I think any, you know, competent lawyer does that. And you because, you know, you're going to have to stand by it. And, you know, sometimes you have a associate or paralegal file something, but it's going to it better be pretty routine uh, or else you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. This these lawsuits were anything but routine. They were highly uh, problematic. And anyone who looked at them. Uh, for more than 10 seconds would see that. Yeah, agreed. I do have a, a couple more quick questions for you about the, the disposition of the insurrection investigation from a prosecutorial standpoint. Sure. I do have to take a quick break, though. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Awesome. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison for The Daily Beans. We all put things off from time to time. I am a master procrastinator myself, but procrastinating about our health just adds to stress and it makes our health worse. So if you've been putting off seeing a doctor like I have, which I shouldn't be, uh, or, you know, if making an appointment feels like a chore, you know, Plush Care is here for you. They make it super easy to schedule an appointment and see a doctor so you can prioritize your health hassle-free. Plush Care provides virtual doctor's appointments through your smartphone or computer. It makes it so much easier and convenient. I just pick a time that works for me, click, click, book an appointment right online. I don't have to sit on hold forever on the phone to make an appointment. I don't have to leave the house and sit in a crowded waiting room. With Plush Care, I can be diagnosed, treated, and even have prescriptions sent to my pharmacy of choice if needed. And all that can happen within minutes. Plush Care accepts most major insurance, and they're available in all 50 states. And the providers care. 
They're here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. And they're available anytime I have questions. I can just pop on and ask them a question. And if you're having difficulty managing your emotions or your stress levels or anxiety, and who isn't these days, Plush Care doctors are available to help. Schedule an appointment today to discuss your treatment options. I found using Plush Care to be a very, very pleasant and user-friendly experience. It was so super simple to schedule an appointment that was convenient for me and fit my schedule. And I felt immediately comfortable and confident with my provider. To me, the most important thing is our health. So it was wonderful how simple Plush Care made it to put my health first. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash dailybeans and start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash dailybeans for a free 30-day trial. Again, plushcare.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to host of the On Topic podcast, former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. And Renato, earlier in the show, uh, Dana and I had discussed the sort of the movement going on uh, moving movement forward in the insurrection investigation. We've heard a lot of people on social media and, you know, uh, screaming about how it's going too slow and they're not looking at the at the generals or the leaders of the insurrection. They're just going after boots on the ground. But I think if we step back and look at the big picture and put it all together, you know, they started with the, you know, trespassing and violent entry and rounded everybody up. Then they got into some conspiracy charges with some of these groups like the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters and the Proud Boys. Uh, now we've seen just this past week uh, that as early as February, the FBI was questioning uh, at least one defendant uh, about whether or not they had ties to members of Congress with regards to the insurrection. We've also seen somebody charged with the federal crime of terrorism, and we've seen three weapons charges and a bunch of assault stuff. It seems like it's actually moving faster than we thought because, you know, Renato, you and I talked like, well, we haven't heard a thing. <laughs> about them investigating any of the higher ups. Maybe they're keeping it quiet. Well, they kept it quiet successfully for three months uh, with this 302 uh, regarding questions of ties to members of Congress. So I was wondering, it feels like it, it, the big picture is sort of opening up a little bit and we're a lot further along than we thought we were. Uh, I think that's right. I think that actually as to what happened on January 6th, the insurrection, the attack on the Capitol, there is pretty vigorous prosecution of folks involved in that. And that includes people who are organizers, leaders. Now, I understand that people are like, OK, when is Donald Trump going to get indicted or some other you know, big, you know, administration officials, that sort of thing. Rudy Giuliani, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, although, Stone. although Rudy Giuliani seems like he's got his own set of problems already. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I do think that. You know, when they are very vigorously prosecuting every a, a lot of the people here are involved. And as you say, they are working their way up to conspiracy charges, trying to flip people. You're starting to see some pleas. I think one thing that is a challenge in these kind of cases is, you know, some of the what I'll call like, you know, the very straightforward charges are easy to prove. Right. Like, OK, you entered the Capitol with an intent to disrupt government business or something. OK, that's like straightforward. Proving some sort of domestic terrorism charge, conspiracy, that can be more complicated than proving somebody's state of mind. Uh, it can be complicated and there can be, you know, risks at trial. So I think they're putting that stuff together carefully. One thing I'll just caution everybody is, as you, anybody who's been following uh, your podcast, Allison, knows the wheels of justice turn pretty slowly in this country. And it just takes a while for investigations and cases to, to work their way through the system. So you know, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. And, you know, I'll tell you, although a lot of folks who are listening to this podcast think that they haven't been doing enough, 
as you know, Allison, a lot of the uh, Trumpsters are are angry that too much is being done. Right? They're definitely feeling the the enforcement, and I think for the sake of our country, that's a positive thing that people who are attacking our capital, disrupting our government, trying to overturn and change our democratic uh, way of way of uh, governance uh, are going to hopefully have some pause in the future. Yeah. And they're also really sad that Trump isn't standing up for. (laughs) Yeah. Which they should have learned in the second impeachment trial when the defense was, hey, they're on their own. They're the criminals, not me. Yeah. Now, and, you know, you're you're so right. And another thing we have to remember, they're pushing 600 defendants here. We are probably going to see a lot of 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 plead out deals that should probably have more jail time that they're just going to because you can't do 600 trials on the same docket. And I don't think that you can farm these cases out to other courts. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Yeah. Venues there in D.C. Uh, And these are the kind of cases, frankly, where, you know, often if it wasn't for the circumstances here, these cases would receive minimal punishments. In other words, if some college kid had the bright idea that he was going to raid into Nancy's Pelosi's office and take some photos, uh, you know, they might, they're going to get a very minimal punishment that, that, that college student, which of course the, the circumstances here are totally different. And so the punishment is going to be different because the judge has to consider the nature and circumstances of the offense. But nonetheless, if I'm the, if you're the DOJ, you know, and you're able to get an agreement to some sort of, you know, uh, the defense agree that they're going to, they're going to ask for some sort of prison sentence. They're not going to fight that. Uh, you know, if, if it's some sort of reasonable sentence, I, I can see the DOJ just trying to get these cases resolved, see, you know, get whatever cooperation they can from these people. Because as you're pointing out, Allison, there's a humongous number of cases. There's also a backlog right now. Uh, there's years worth of cases that haven't been tried. Uh, people who have constitutional rights to a speedy trial who didn't get their speedy trial because of COVID. So uh, I just think right now the government's going to have a, an incentive to try to resolve cases. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you really need to probably take to trial some of these other like assault cases and conspiracy cases, these bigger, higher up charges that you, you know, you kind of need to save room for. And I think that, all you know, all these 500, 600 defendants are going to slow down the docket. Like you said, there's already a backlog. So that's going to push justice out even a little further. And I just kind of want everybody to be prepared for that. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think so. And I think you have to take into account that for some, like, let's just say, forget the ringleaders, the organizers, let's just say random crazy who enters the Capitol and chants and thinks that Donald Trump ordered him to come in there and took some photos and acted like a clown. You know, you have to think to yourself from a DOJ perspective, how many months in prison is this person going to get for this crime? And how much how much resources are we going to have to put into trying this case? And so that's the sort of calculus like justice is not a perfect thing ever uh, in this country. That's for sure. We all know that it's very far from perfect. But one I think appropriate thing prosecutors do is they figure out what's in the public interest in terms of prosecutorial resources. So I just think that's part of the equation. Yeah. So like Jacob Chansley, for example, pretty much who you just described what he did. His lawyers, uh, his defense attorneys know that they want to, to, you know, come to a deal. And and so they have a little bit of leverage there because they know that the DOJ doesn't want to clog up the, the docket with those types of cases. So, yeah, I think I think we're looking to probably going to look at some settling 
for things a little bit left. But you're right. The judge has to take into account. It's going to be interesting to see how these come down. But, you know, Renato, if we see, for example, one of these uh, Oath Keepers, Donahoe or Biggs or, you know, some of these Proud Boys, they're if they continue to plead not guilty, refuse to cooperate, they go to trial. We're looking at like end of next year. You know, <laughs> it's going to be right? a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I will tell you, I have I have uh, cases that are scheduled for trial next year. I'm not sure if they're going to they're going to go on time, because even though these are for cases that were charged late last year, it's just there's so much of a delay and so much of a backlog right now. And, uh, you know, I have cases where the judge is like, I don't even have a spot on my calendar right now. So there's no point even setting a date because it would be fanciful. And so, yeah, I just think that that's a reality that we have to deal with. And, you know, you know, our judicial system was not prepared for. Uh, COVID, and frankly, most of the parts of our country weren't, right? So we've all had to adjust. The court system has done its best. And I think prosecutors are going to have to be mindful. They want to show judges. If I was overseeing all of these cases, I would be thinking, we want to show the court that we, the the courts and the judges, that we are pushing forward the most serious cases, that, yeah. that this is worth judicial resources and time. So I will be pushing forward those those like you said, the Proud Boys, some of these organizers, people who are doing something very egregious, people who assaulted uh, uh, Capitol Police, et cetera. And then, you know, people who are just acting like clowns or clearly kind of uh, uh, delusional types, uh, you know, you might you might uh, try to, to get a resolution on them. Yeah. And also uh, seems like a strong argument for doubling the federal bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, there is it's certainly some need, and particularly in certain parts of the country, you know, our court system, you know, doesn't really quickly take into account population shifts, things like that. So some courts get clogged up in particular. I do think it's something we, we need to consider. Uh, and the, the Biden administration should be thinking about that uh, before the midterms. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. We have to we have to consider that. Um that just the the delay that we're seeing uh we just need more judges we need we need a bigger bench so we'll see what happens uh, i think it's a good argument for that but everybody be patient the wheels of justice are grinding and uh, i appreciate your time today everybody tune in to the on topic podcast with renato mariotti and uh, thanks so much for speaking with us today thanks a lot all right everybody stick around we'll be right back with the good news hey beans listeners it's allison and this portion of the show is brought to you by credit karma 2020 was a very tough year for everyone, personally and financially. And if you want to improve your finances in 2021, I highly recommend checking out Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. Now they have ways to help even more. It's called Credit Karma Money Spend Accounts. And you can be rewarded for good money habits when you open one. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. All you have to do is pay with your debit card. And if you win, You will be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. So the odds are good. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements and there are no overdraft fees, which I know are a big pain in the butt. You don't have to worry about that with Credit Karma. And you get free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Really convenient. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win one million dollars. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Go right now, visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. 
Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. Please see rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc., member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And today's show is also brought to you by my new, I love this so much. It's my new favorite thing. It's called Context Travel. I'm so excited the world is about to open up for travel again. It's already started. And if you're like me, you're already planning your next trip. And I found the best absolute place to start your journey. It's called Context Learning. With Context, I'm already learning about the destinations I plan to visit before I even hop on a plane. Context runs live expert-led courses and virtual tours and lectures. And they are like from around the globe. Travel with Context across the globe to over 60 cities in six different continents. And you can visit the world's cultural and historical capitals before you go on your trip. I'm so excited for this. The last time I got a chance to travel overseas, I learned so much about history, so much about my family origins. Uh, And for me, exploring new places has always been an amazing learning experience. And the best part about context is you get to skip the line. On any given day, you can uncover ancient Rome with an archaeologist there to tell you about it. You can go behind the velvet rope at the Louvre with an art expert. That's so awesome. You can walk the streets of St. Petersburg with a local guide, all from the comfort of home. And there's a variety of tour durations. You can go on a half-day tour, to a seven-day-plus tour. And you can check out their website and read some testimonials. Here's one from Karen in Roanoke, Virginia, who says, can't improve on perfection. Every single guide we spent time with was absolutely wonderful. And Daily Beans listeners, if you love travel and learning as much as I do, you're going to love this. For a limited time, when you buy one virtual tour, you get a second tour free when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at contextlearning.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-X-T learning.com. And just use promo code DAILYBEANS Again, that's contextlearning.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. It's Monday. I love Monday's good news. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most needed for sure. Uh, and if you have good news, confessions, corrections, misheard lyrics, shared swears, find the cat. Happy Places, What the Mutt, Town Twisters. Oh, I like that. Limericks. Whatever you want to send, send them to us at, uh, where Where do you go? Dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. People are going to start confusing these and mix them up. They're going to be like, what the mutt? Find the mutt. Um, you know, Find the misheard lyrics. lyrics. Mis, mis, misheard Louis Gohmert lyrics. What? What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So first up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Hello, leaders of the Leguminati. Not a correction as much as an affirmation of what Richard Ojeda said. I was born and raised in West Virginia until leaving for grad school and employment. And hope you don't mind a few comments alongside Richard Ojeda's passion for the topic of Joe Manchin, uh, the state of West Virginia and such. He mentioned at one point in the interview that West Virginia has always been a Democratic state. And other than some presidential elections, it was since the time of FDR. It's as if they only recently got the memo that the parties flip. <laughs> Anyhow. Mansion. I think it's important for a couple of people who may roll their eyes and go, I hate when people call others a dino like Ojeda basically just did to Mansion. That Mansion once ran an ad where he literally shot a Democratic bill with a rifle. <laughs> oh, my God. Mansion did have a really good effort against him last time by a progressive named Paula Jean Swearingen. Uh, that's when he last ran, but she got almost zero attention outside of social media. And I noticed boomers I'm related to mocking her for having the exact same accent they had. If she runs again, could y'all maybe do an interview down the road? Uh, I'm also honestly not sure Manchin can beat a Republican next time. This week, hundreds of West Virginians marched on his Charleston office and demanded he stop supporting voter suppression. The leader of the march, Reverend Dr. Barber, 
noted that Manchin is only hurting those who helped him get where he is, African-American West Virginians and poor rural mountain people. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you for that, Anonymous. I appreciate it. And I love that. I think it was yeah. that discussion with Richard Ojeda. And I think it was really well said. I mean, we've got to get our asses out because I'm worried about losing that seat because we cannot afford to. All right. This next one's from Lisa. Pronoun she and they. Hi, Beans team. Lots of news to share. Very short version. My much-loved anti-violence work serving survivors of sexual assault was taken away from me by a hostile work environment last fall. I bounced back and got two new job uh, remote jobs, happily busy and healing from all the trauma, personal and national. I want to play What the Mutt. This sweetie is a dog park acquaintance who is a mix of two breeds. Enjoy guessing. Boxer Jack Russell. Bulldog Jack Russell. Or Boston Jack Russell. Oh, that looks like a bulldog body. I know. Look at the teeth, too. Jack face. Yeah. All right. And the underbite. Yep. All right. This dog is half bulldog, half shih tzu. Oh. <laughs> the owners call him a bullshit. <laughs> yep. That's what, you, that's what you call them. They're bullshits. <laughs> it wasn't Jack Russell. It was shih tzu. Oh, look at this honey, though. I know. So sweet. That happy face. Happy dog. Happy dog. <laughs> All right, next up from Drew, pronouns he and him. Louis Gomerin isn't 100% cooked in the think meat. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to do that again. Louis Gomerin isn't 100% cooked in the think meat and is about as useful as a screen door on a submarine. Very well said. Anyway, for pod pet tax, I'm going to try to attach photos of my younger dog, Atticus, named for Cicero's best friend, Titus Pomponius Atticus, but Mr. Finch is cool too. I have no idea what breed mixture he is, but he looks kind of like an old professor in a tweed jacket. I've decided that he's half North American cuddlehound and half <laughs> wire-haired snuggleshirt terrier. Love the show. Love all the co-hosts and guests. Thanks, Doc Gill, for this daily for a daily dose of news and positivity. Look at this fellow. He is very distinguished. Oh, he is, and he is very wiry. Definitely terrier. Oh, <sighs> looks like a little wolfhound. Oh. He's just an old man and his bearded floofs. And yeah, and look at the owner also looks like a college professor. <laughs> uh, and also very cute. This is an adorable picture. This <laughs> is so cute. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This next one's from James pronouncing him. This, <laughs> these Louis Gomer jokes remind me of one of my favorite lines from the classic comic strip Pogo. If I remember the strip correctly, this was an indirect reference to Nixon. And this is a quote. The sharpest thing he's allowed to handle is a rubber ball. <laughs> For pot pet tax, here's some photos of cobalt and denim playing frisbee or flying disc to be trademark correct um, from a few years ago. The first shows you the air denim can get and going after a frisbee. Cobalt rarely got a chance to actually catch one. The second one is denim standing up to catch a low one. And the third photo is cobalt chasing her litter mate photon. What a great name for a dog. Across the park, we adopted Cobalt from someone about two-hour drive away from Toronto. And when we started taking her to doggy daycare, we discovered that her littermate Photon was going to the same place. They'd meet, uh, we'd meet up at the dog park regularly after that. I love these action shots. Look at this dancing. Oh, the my dog goodness. Is dancing. They're dancing. Take me from this place. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my... Uh... Dirty Rotten Scoundrels moment. Okay, next up, I'm going to do the next two. From Ron, pronouns he and him. This picture seemed like a Beans Perfect find the cat moment in my friend's yard the other day. I got this one fast. Yeah, I see the kitty. Hello, kitty. So cute, but how in the hell? <laughs> yeah, did they get up there? 
Beautiful. Next up from Anonymous, good news. After being retired for two and a half years, following 20 years as a deputy county clerk, thank you for your service, Anonymous, I had a virtual interview for a new job, clerk in my town's municipal court. I had a three-hour round-trip commute for the other job, and it's just a five-minute drive for this one. There's something I really enjoy about local government public service. Sounds like it. (laughs) Wish me luck. (laughs) Break legs. Good luck. (laughs) Break legs, indeed. All right, from Rachel, pronoun she and her, misheard lyrics. Imagine my relief when I finally realized the line in Don Henley's Boys of Summer, your brown skin shining in the sun, was not your bras get shattered in the sun. Never again would I worry that I would accidentally purchase a cheap, crappy bra that would fall apart in the sun. How embarrassing. (gasps) Thanks to everyone at The Daily Beans for helping me to laugh through some of the most infuriating news I could ever imagine. Your podcast has helped to keep my anxiety from flying off the charts. You and me both. As someone who has worked in animal rescue for several years, can I suggest for those folks that don't have pets of their own to consider posting a local shelter pet that is available for adoption? Any exposure of these, ah, they want us to support, that makes sense. Any exposure of these deserving animals get is invaluable. Uh, I, of course, have plenty of options for fulfilling my pet tax obligations. We are blessed with five awesome cats. Oh, pick one. I see. So oh. they, if you don't have, yes. if you don't have pet tax, post a, a photo of an adoptable pet in your area. Yes. I love it. Brilliant. Yes. Pick number one, four or five of the fur crew from left to right is Mikey, Figaro, Paco, and Tim. I love when people are like, hey, Tim, like that's I, like, like my friend's cat's Kevin. Yeah, I have a Kevin. Yeah, or I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I had a Kevin. yeah. All of whom are probably seeking respite from our resident wild child. This is a great photo, though. Pick two, Sherman and Tim both decided in mid WWE style smackdown. Their time would be better spent taking a nap. <laughs> so they were wrestling and fell asleep like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hands around. That is hilarious. <laughs> they both had each other in a sleeper hold and then they literally went to sleep. <laughs> Oh, my God. Pick number three is Sherman in all his glory. We haven't had DNA testing yet, but wholeheartedly believe he is part Maine Coon and part Tasmanian devil. Uh, oh, you know, nice what? lewd photo. Yes. Look at my look at me. Look at me. Lewd lewdness. I'm a gentle cat in all my glory. L-E-W-D lewd. And a nip knops. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you can't see the nip knops. He's too floof. Ah, wonderful. Wonderful cat pictures. Thank you so much for sending these in. And I really love that idea. If you don't have pod pet tax, you can pay by posting a photo of a, a, a pet that is up for adoption in your area, um, maybe with a little information about the awesome. Yeah, those are so fun to go through and look through. They're some of the cutest, weirdest guys and gals, pets that are available for adoption. Um, and that would be wonderful. I would love to take a look and, and promote those. And uh, anything else you have, you, of course, you send it to us at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Yeah. Um, AG, I got another, um, as most of you know, I'm doing a, my long, my first long show in Cherry Grove, Fire Island on August 14th. And those tickets have been up and they are selling. So if you'd like to go, make sure you get one before they are gone. And that's www.artsprojectcg.org. And then I've got a live, another live show sooner. This is in Palm Springs. It's uh, July 8th. It's a Thursday night. It's a free show at Hunter's. So the lineup is fantastic. It's myself, Ian Harvey, uh, Brad Lokley, and Shane Carr. And it's going to be great. So if you're in the Palm Springs area and you want to get out, uh, it'll be at Hunter's. Just uh, make a reservation and so that you have a place to sit. Otherwise, it's free. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I look forward to I'm, I think I'm going to try and make up there for the for Palm Springs with you. I would love to. It's what's funny is I don't know if the listeners know this. AG and I have never met in person. So it'd be fun to hug you. It's weird. I feel like I've known you for so long, but we've never actually met in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally true. We, we, uh, our manager put us in contact during 
COVID. Our relationship started online. Mm. As them, as most do these days. Yeah, as most successful ones do. You betcha. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Oof-da. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.